Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everybody welcome to reporting is eligible that sucked that was terrible it was awful <laughs> um but we're going to talk about it anyway because we have to dis- we have to discuss the nuances of how it sucked and what will continue to suck and what won't and um you know all that good stuff uh so first to help me wearing the best t-shirt possible in urban wauwatosa that matt will probably take a screenshot of uh we have Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I indeed am wearing this shirt knowing that Matt will take a screenshot of it. Uh, it is it is a nod to uh, to a friend of mine, to a very funny uh, recurring bit. And I guess you're just going to have to go on Twitter now, on, on Matub's godforsaken Twitter account to actually see what see I'm what talking about. Yeah. That's, a, that's all the teasing I'm going to do. A tribute, uh, a tribute but, to one of our great friends designed by one of our other great friends. Exactly. You're exactly right. Um I have nothing to do with it, I would like to say, because yeah. there are plenty of people who think I do, but I, I do not. <laughs> I can confirm um, that. Jared does not have anything to do with that for anybody yes. listening who's skeptical. Now we're irritating our listeners by we continuing are. to talk about something that they cannot see. I will say also and reiterate that that game was ass, Yeah, and it would be really quite quite better to not talk about it, even though I don't think this is one of those burn the tape games, though, because... They have got to get better at some of this. They stuff. do. They do. The, a lot of the bad stuff showed up. That shows up a lot. Like there was, there was some bad luck. There was some bad jittery crap. But there's also a lot of just. Yeah. We've seen this before. We didn't think we'd see it again, and we saw it again. It was absolute trash. Just. It garbage. really. I I know. Often we say all phases failed, but it really is a masterclass and across the board failure. Because I mean, there's there's a play calling thing. Certainly, if you're talking about, I don't know, every jet sweep and gadget play you have in your bag of tricks, yep. there is the defensive coordinator issue. There is the fact that the quarterback had a very, at least half, very bad half of a game. The defense did not make plays. The offense did not make plays. Special teams coughed it up. It was did terrible. Not make Missed plays. a kick, didn't make plays, had a muff. Um, yeah, just just brutal. And there were injuries. I mean, not, not like, like end your season injuries, but bad ones, which you expect going into MetLife. So and even um, worse because the Jaden Reed injury was caused by the bad play calling. And, it's true. Um, like you, you can't run jet sweeps into like a, a huge front. Like that, that's not how those work. That's not what they're for. Uh, yes. So I don't know. Um, should we start or should we introduce Matt? First? And I'm Matt, Thanks. but you can call me Matub, Acme Packing Company, Meme Weaver, and general Twitter rabble rouser, which I'm, uh, 
bringing a lot of noise to the twitter.com at the moment because i brought up an article that paul wrote three years ago about how bad joe barry is so i saw that that article came out of the podcast we did when we hired joe barry which is i think one of our better podcasts honestly i think that was a really good one holds up really well where we went through all of this yeah it's great (laughs) i'm glad we were right about that too like uh, uh, bad nepotism hires shouldn't work out and this one we should bring can we cut some clips and bring it back and be like can we just have an entire episode of reporting is eligible called i told you so and we can <laughs> we can kind of trot out our previous oh takes. man clip show um that just sounds like a lot of work maybe we'll see for <laughs> <laughs> one of those like i mean the holidays are coming up you know there's there's you know the games are on the holidays pretty much and christmas eve and new year's eve so it's not like we would be recording on the holiday but you could yeah. you could see that working out totally no nah, probably not probably not um, before we get started, because we're going to do jet sweeps first, uh, I wanted to recommend if you if you've never read the Smart Football books by uh, is it Chris Johnson who writes those. I think he has the same name as a running back. That might be the wrong one though. Um, the, the Smart uh, Foot- Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Chris, sorry, Chris B Brown. Chris B Brown. Mm. Um, it, How can it, I breathe with no air? Yes. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you are someone who's played football or coached football, you might find smart football a little basic. But if you're like me and didn't and come at this from a nerd who makes spreadsheets, those books are great at explaining um, the ins and outs of how football is coached, thought about, etc. And the best thing about how Chris Brown explains things is in the dichotomy of base plays and constraint plays. That being, you run your base plays to get the defense to overcommit to stopping them. And then you punish the overcommit with with the constraint plays to take advantage of the space they leave. And um, jet sweeps are constraint plays. You run them when the defense is overcommitting to one side to punish them. If you run them any other way, they're super high risk. They get they, they're like five yards in the backfield. They're a little guy running towards big guys, and they just blew up like the whole fourth quarter. It was terrible. Uh, just I don't know why I kept going back to it. It stopped working. Well, for- sometimes you can stand at the lectern and just lie into the microphone and say that it would have been a two point if a couple if guys the blocking would have made it blocks. <laughs> Malik Heath would have had to hold that block for like ten seconds for that. Yeah, play to and work. it. it and if a frog had wings, it wouldn't bump its ass when it hopped. Yeah. It was, what's the one like, if my aunt had wheels, she'd be a wagon? Isn't that the... <laughs> I have literally never heard either one of those idioms, so uh, that's a new new territory for me. Um, we, we have other... It's not even the only bad blocking reference. There was actual plays where the blocking was good and the guy didn't follow it. I don't know about this one. This one... Oh, you're talking about the love fumble? The love fumble, yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> We uh we're gonna kind of intersperse some of the questions because we we got a lot we of have questions to, from honestly. the patrons. <laughs> you got you so guys are gonna, great, gonna, man. Woo. So as a reference to this, Jay Google asks, "Can we try one more read sweep inside the 30? <laughs> and Tim Braun asks, "Should we do more read sweeps?" Tim Braun. <laughs> it's not good when your jet sweeps turn into a meme during the game. Like that's <laughs> that's a good point. It's not a good sign. <laughs> you okay, should so stop calling now. <laughs> you guys, you guys know the picture of Bush being told about the towers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's going around with he ran another jets. <laughs> <laughs> Always a comfortable moment when Matt Matub starts talking about the towers. But um, <laughs> I, so I, 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 am I stupid here? I, I like I'm a I'm a guy who loves gadget plays. I still love the idea that they threw the ball to Julius Peppers once. Yeah. And I really think that could have worked. And I, I, I'm a guy who likes that. I like expanding the playbook. 
the New York Giants suck. They do. They suck. Yeah. That's and, and AJ Dillon's running for like seven yards a clip when he just runs off tackle. Yep. <laughs> if, they're if people, young. If people listening haven't watched any Giants games this year, like do yourself a favor and go watch the Washington New York Giants game that happened a little while ago. It is hilarious bad football. Um, those two teams are just trash heaps um, themselves, and every play in those games is bad. And the Giants in this game we saw that were just a train wreck. There's no reason they should have won this game. <laughs> and yes, and here we are. Every team the Giants have beaten, the Commanders twice, the Patriots, I don't remember the other one, but it might be Carolina. I don't know. Bad they, teams. They Terrible our, teams. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they, they barely, by the way, the Patriots are one of the worst teams in the NFL, and they barely beat the 10 Patriots. 10-7. They beat them 10-7. <laughs> That's... Which comes to my point. What the gadget plays for? What run over this team? Yeah, they're not good. And quite honestly, like the Giants actually probably. I mean, they played better. It's a Saquon Barkley fumble that even gives the Packers a chance there at the end. I mean, the Packers completely failed, and there was no reason to do all this stuff. Just okay. run over them, right? So I, I used to work in product development, and our mantra was: you add features until it breaks, and then you remove the last one. Okay. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that this this was the game where it broke. Yeah. So you just take out the jet sweeps, and then it goes back to a good offense. <laughs> but JR's right, especially on that last drive, which we'll get to in a minute, and I don't want to miss questions. But the Giants, uh, I did. If, if you listen to the mini pod, good mini pod this week. Kind of nailed a lot of stuff, honestly. Um, the Giants were the 30th ranked defense in the league, and that is basically based on their run defense, which is the thir- or I think they're 28th. They're 30th in run defense. Everybody can run on the Giants, and when the Packers weren't trying to be tricky and stupid about it, uh, AJ wasn't ripping off you know 40 yard carries, but he was consistently being successful. Uh, you didn't need to do all the nonsense to be successful against them. It was actually the best way to attack them, just running up the gut. Patrick Taylor was really successful running up the gut. They probably could have run the ball 35 times in this game and one going away. So, yes, uh, you are 100% right. And the giant pass defense, while not good, isn't terrible. It's like 16th. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau is actually pretty good. They have one good corner, the guy who made the play on the Samore Toure end zone shots. Um, that's their one good corner. Um, but, like... You didn't need to be clever about this game. You just didn't. You just had to play basic football and not be idiotic. They they lost because they were stupid. I hate losing because we're stupid. It drives me crazy. Yes, Patrick Taylor loves running up the gut because he's allergic to sidelines. So that's really the best. <laughs> oh my god! That was the, okay. Was he hunting for film there? Oh, like, did he want man. to have a highlight? Like, you could put it on his huddle page, maybe for for the next <laughs> team that wants to sign him to a practice squad. <laughs> what you know, was that? Patrick Taylor, until it comes to like having to understand clock management, is an actual NFL running back. Like he... Yes. Speaking of clock management, shall we talk about the last drive? Yeah, let's do it. I, I apologize for dooming the team by suggesting <laughs> yeah. the, the intelligent thing. I feel like, so, uh, Matt, you, you, first of all, you didn't do anybody. Twitter was great in this game at predicting what was about to happen accurately, and you were just among those people. <laughs> this is one of those rare instances where we say, "Did you see Matt's tweets?" Yeah, that's it it's a rare, a rare thing. So, so AJ Dillon has a seven-yard carry up the gut yep. to take the Packers into the red zone. Um, I said, "Okay, run the ball six more times, score a touchdown, go home, burn the film." Um, they ran the ball one time, which was a scramble, that, and it was a scramble. Yeah. 
it, they it, burned they burned uh, i think it was like 15 seconds after i tweeted that yeah and when the clock was running because they completed a pass to read in bounds and they like snapped the ball 13 seconds later too like they were they were very concerned about running out of time in a situation where there was no chance that they were gonna run out of time <laughs> The one thing you could say is they had had trouble in the red zone. They hadn't looked particularly sharp. So I guess you could say to yourself, like, we need to not risk it and bring this thing down. We need to just go in and score when we can, I guess. But guess what they guess what they were doing in the red zone when they were bad? (laughs) Not running up, the not running the football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a funny career arc. A.J. Dillon has had this season because it's gone from, oh, my gosh, A.J. Dillon is he even an NFL running back to mm-hmm. for God's sakes, put the ball in his hands with the game on the line. He's the guy. It give it, is, you know, give so... it to Patrick Taylor. Who's not going to go out of, out of bounds. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Use those strengths. Leverage those skills. Well, so, so we should, apparently... we should really quick. We should weave Donald Anderson's question in here so that cool. we actually yeah. answer it. All right. So here it is. Update back by popular demand. Yeah. The Packers have gone zero games since <laughs> receiving a personal foul, making up for the phantom one last week. They got multiple very well earned <laughs> sure personal fouls. I wish I knew how to quit you personal foul meter. But here's the question. Where was A.J. Dillon on the last offensive sequence and the two point conversion? Oh, see, A.J. Dillon was in, in the same way that when Aaron Jones rips off like a 15 yard carry and then he doesn't see the ball for another quarter. That's kind of what Matt LaFleur seems to be doing with AJ. Yeah. And they were empty for two snaps on that last drive. Like, Completely empty. There's no I reason. I couldn't believe it. I, I was yelling at my TV like, they're going to score too quick. They are, they're going empty. They're going to pass, pass, pass and not run any clock and leave like a buck 30 for the Giants who have all their timeouts. And that is exactly what they did. Cam, uh, I was yelling at my TV and I don't even know football. And they go empty and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So, do they? It was almost like they expected to like not get it. And turn the ball over on the one yard, and then line. have to get it back. And yes, yeah. that's kind of how they were playing. <laughs> that's so great. Um. Oh my gosh. And then they had a touchdown. Emily Keith drops because the guy strips him on the third step or whatever. And then he yeah, makes an it, unbelievable but, catch. Okay. What happened to two steps in possession? I thought that was the rule. I don't know, man. It's three now. It was, it was close, but I'm surprised they overturned it. But I was surprised they overturned a bunch of calls in this game. So uh, what do I know? I will say that on real time, the vibes to me did not feel like that should be a touchdown. It felt right that that was the call. I don't know anything about the third step in the end zone or whatever it is. I feel like there's a new rule about the end zone every <laughs> no every broadcast. Football but, move. Uh, I mean, the ball knew, and it actually <laughs> probably helped them because yeah, a few more seconds but go off the not, clock. Not only... Not only ball don't lie, but also he took out one of the refs at the knees doing it. He sure did. <laughs> and he lost his helmet is, somehow. Old man gingerly getting to his knees, knowing it's a touchdown, being like, I'm going to let everybody know eventually. Just give me a minute. The sheer drama <laughs> of like waiting for him to stand up. Oh, oh man. My heart hurt. All right. And then after the touchdown, we get to, to the tune of Steve Perry's O'Sherry. We get Joe Barry. And uh, Joe Barry, you suck so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> Here are a series of questions. Yes. Paul, do you want to say something before I do I was going to say that was kind of a heavy metal ending to O'Sherry, which I kind of dug. So that's all. I, I'm into it. Yeah. I love I love the Matub cover of O'Sherry at all times. So um, let's, uh, sh- there's a cover of Separate Ways that I believe Separate Ways is one of the best songs ever written. It's a good there's song. A, there's a cover of it by a female-led metal band, Eve Under Fire. Um, check it out. It's really good. 
I'm into it. I will do that, actually. Okay, before we talk about Joe Barry, we have several questions that hit on this, as you might imagine. Joe Barry is a discussion topic this week. Mark Putscarby says, why do NFL defenses across the board run soft coverage at the end of games? I see several different NFL defenses doing this in similar situations, and for the life of me, I do not understand why. Can you help explain the goal there? They're cowards. Patrick Detmer. But we'll get... Let's do that one first, because yeah. I tweeted okay. about it today. And another one of, did you see my tweet today? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I hate the prevent defense, as we all do, um, but it is just philosophically bad, and cowardice is the only explanation for it. Because uh, if you if it, we have if we have the situation we had where the Giants have the ball and there's like a minute thirty left, and you have two timeouts, the one thing you can know for sure is they're not going to run out of time. They need a field goal. They're not running out of time. Like if they get stopped, it's going to be because they run out of downs or they turn the ball over. That's it. So if you play a defense that's predicated on the idea that they might run out of time, it's not going to work. And that's what all prevent defense is. And it's so it's so bad that if you play aggressive, normal defense or extra aggressive defense to try and force a fourth down or get a turnover, and they happen to beat you over the top and they score a long touchdown, a bomb on you, that's better for you. Because the alternative is them scoring at the end of the game with no time left. Like, if you give up a bomb with a minute left, it's not great, but you still might win. Whereas if they kick a field right. goal with no time left, you're definitely not going to win. So, <laughs> so if if you were to run an eight-man blitz with uh, three deep, like in a cover three look, you have a better chance of winning. You the do. Game. You absolutely do. So I think it is legit cowardice. It is not wanting the highlights of a 50-yard bomb with a minute 30 on ESPN and having to deal with the fallout from that. I think that's the only legitimate answer to this question. There is no other reason that prevent should ever happen. Do you think it's an anachronism that's just been handed down through generations of so babies? It's and an other anachronism. Coaches? It is, but it's an incorrect yeah. anachronism because I remember thinking this in the eighties when people would come back on teams and be like, and we, in the eighties, we even had like the, Oh, it just prevents winning or it just prevents punting. Like that, that phrasing is like 35 years old at this point. Like we, the fans are right about this and have always wow, I'm known 35 years old. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. You're, you're as old as the knowledge that the prevent defense is bad. Um, sorry. Man, I, take a drink every time Paul says anachronism. <laughs> it's a good word. It's it a good is. word. It's excellent. Um. Okay. So so Patrick Detmer riffing on this as well. Tex Western at Paul's recommendation made me aware by sharing his Spotify Wrapped a few weeks back of a band called the Proto Men, Who are great. whose album whose albums are rock opera concepts inspired by the excellent Mega Man video games. Also true. They're so good that I and the bourbon I've consumed tonight feel compelled to tie them into my question, which is. Which future has the more bleak outlook, the dystopian future in which robots rule over humanity, as told by the proto-men, or any future where the Packers give their opponents the ball back with a one-point lead, 148 left, two timeouts, and Joe Barry's soft zone as our only line of defense? Well, the, I, I mean, the only answers. in college is 148 not enough to get down the field. Like, in the NFL, that's plenty of time as you've said yes it's plenty of time and by the way i went back and watched this game today because i'm a sick weirdo and the giants move the ball into field goal range without using a timeout in 51 seconds that is how long four short passes yes with four they did not throw down the field that is how long it took 
Uh, so again, there was literally no chance of them running out of time. They still had all of their timeouts when they got into field goal range. Uh, they didn't have to do anything. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. They just won earlier in the game, not as part of getting the ball yeah. back. But two is enough, right? For this, like you're not going to use, you're not even going to need all three timeouts. It takes some options away, maybe, to not have that third timeout in terms of the middle of the field, but not, not really. It does. You know? So yeah, it, it's it's ass man. Also, the proto men rule, and if you can see them live, you should. They're they're amazing. In the year 20XX, XX. <laughs> a robot named Joe Barry continues to run soft zone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a couple more related to Joe Barry. You're either a smart fella or a fart smella. Are the Packers bad again? Did we get hoodwinked by Jordan Love and Joe Barry? At least Love was finally kind of sharp again by the fourth quarter, so maybe you should, he's fine. You should read Richard Proctor's answer to that. <laughs> which is Richard nice. Proctor says... Nobody should have been hoodwinked by Joe Barry. Barry never stopped being bad. His defenses have been bailed out by, as Paul has said again and again, pacing, other teams' penalties, game situations. He's bad. You could have Chat GPT engineer a game plan, and it would be, at worst, a side grade. Yes, that is correct. But yeah, we weren't. None of us at this podcast have been hoodwinked because the underlying stuff on Barry's been bad. Uh, by the way, in DVOA, now the Packers are twenty eighth on defense, which means Joe Barry again, has never had a defense out of the 20th. Like we said last week, regression to the mean had gotten him to like an average, which is the best he could ever be. But it hit back hard this week because it's, you know, the Giants are bad. Tommy (laughs) DeVito is a bad quarterback and a bad team playing a bad offense. Do you guys follow Ted Wynn from uh, uh, The Athletic? I've seen him a lot. I don't follow him. FB Film Analysis is his Twitter. Um, he he said something really good last week that ended up becoming true. It was like uh, Joe Barry's defense is built to stop oh, yeah. people like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but he'll get torn up by guys like Kenny Pickett. Like, is what uh, he said, right? Yeah, Kenny Pickett, and, and the team will rush for two hundred yards, which is yes. literally what happened in this game. <laughs> Very prophetic. Good job, that guy. Tommy DeVito ran ten times for seventy-one yards. Yep. This is not a running quarterback. He actually he kind of is, is a running quarterback. Yes, he is. He's, he, but he had like 80 Dimes yards are, in yeah, his career and, coming yeah, he, into He's that. normally like a normal running quarterback where he gets like, you know, 20 yards a game of rushing yeah, yards. He's, so I, I think his athletic comp is Daniel Jones, isn't it? Like, And Daniel Jones is basically tall Justin Fields. He's fast. He's fast and short and small. That it, My Justin Fields comp for him is perfect. That is what he is. He's small okay. like Justin Fields. So I stand corrected, but he had so much field to work with. Like I could have run for sixty of those yards. Yeah, right, the field I was given. Did you okay? Uh, did you guys see what Ranter said about it? No. Uh, so Packer Ranter, uh, just phenomenal Twitter follow. If you guys don't follow, um, said. Oh, said cut out is what Matt said. Oh, Matt's gone. Matt's gone. He, we will let him finish this thought when he comes. We back will, from but in the meantime, internet hell. Should we go to Corey's question and move along to Barry questions? Because otherwise, it's going to take 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, it's rare for him to cut out like that. That's it very is. weird. Matt usually has good internet when he's not in Kansahoma. Right. All right. Corey Diedrich says, I know everyone wants to change a D coordinator, but couldn't you make an argument that the special teams unit is the worst of the three? We sure there shouldn't be a change there? Question mark. I think everybody's kind of on board with a change there at this point. Although yeah. there, I feel like it's harder to pick out a replacement for Rich Passaccia um, than it is the defensive coordinator who's just bad. But yeah, they're bad on special teams again for the eight millionth time in a row. So yeah, they're uh, actually the worst on special teams. They are the worst on special teams. It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, so by the way, I don't know what happened to my internet there because I could still see you guys. <laughs> 
that's yeah we just that's had to weird. talk over you would you like to finish um, your your packer rancher yeah, uh, anecdote quickly? so so rancher said that that uh tommy was a lot like the last meatball in your sandwich and that if you only contain the edges it's going to squirt out the middle <laughs> god damn i'm glad thank goodness we came back for that and lost our no expletives on the podcast ranking for the week well, good job matt well done <laughs> that's awful yeah but yeah special um, teams is bad and um they have not gotten better and could fix a lot just by not having Keyshawn nixon return things generally speaking oh but yeah it's not good all right so i i guess you could lay this at the feet of Visaccia and barry respectively but two things have happened one is they've dra- as we all know they've drafted a ton of capital on that defense like they are constantly pumping talent into the defense yep. and it still does not rise above it, its current station with special teams they remodeled how they do this they really emphasize that they they signed and they hired guys based on their special teams acumen they didn't just throw in the bottom crust of the roster the active roster they've even and, and, you know Keyshawn Nixon obviously at this point is contributing on defense contributing on defenses in quotes for this game but uh is is a special teamer i mean Jaden Reed goes back there like yeah. they use key guys they they did systematically what you're supposed to do to address these problems and it's still bad yeah and that transcends coordinators craft played 80 snaps he this did. game oh my god one, one of the problems with special teams for sure is that Rudy Ford and Isaiah McDuffie um and Keyshawn are supposed to be just special teams guys like that's what they were here for and they're all playing major defensive minutes and so their replacements on special teams aren't as good as they are and that's a problem but it's only part of the problem. Tucker Craft was it, but Haiti. wasn't the big the big punt return penalty that was on Rudy Ford? It was on Rudy Ford. Yes, that's correct. I felt like that was incidental contact. Like like putting my I'm I'm even taking off yeah. my helmet hat on that. I mean, I guess if you if you run into him enough to hurt him, I think you got to you got to call it. But he like legitimately had his head down and was like he wasn't necessarily blocked into the returner, but it was like I think that's the problem is he wasn't blocked into the returner. Yes, he was sort of ushered into the area of the returner and awkwardly crushed him. It's a very small man, and he just hip-checked him. (laughs) Uh, Ford does come down and make the recovery on the the New York Giants make good muffed punt. Johnny on the spot there. Uh, That was good. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Which uh, he hit. Oh, my God. The guy who it, it hit in the back had a really funny name, too. Uh, that guy, that guy got sniped. He had no idea where the ball was. He did not. Yeah, and he ducked after he got hit. He's like, oh. <laughs> I, as and I'm watching that, I feel like because the camera lingered on the return man, and then all of a sudden realized the ball was nowhere near him. And like in my head, oh. I'm like, oh, he got fooled by the camera. He didn't know <laughs> where the ball was. The the uh, guy who got hit with the ball, his name is McCain, and that's a normal was, name. I, well, and I was going to make a uh, joke about the deceased politician. <laughs> Oh yes, very hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's best if you just tell us that that's your intention and not how you actually you don't actually execute that. Um, oh, oh, I could I could make a joke about Megan if that makes you feel. No, better. that's all right. Let's just we're move good. On. We're good. Thank you. Uh, let's. Uh, so Price Trozen has a question here. What would it take to ha- to just have a no drama special teams group? Is it really this difficult to coordinate a special teams unit that so many Packers? hires flail my 90s album for how i'm feeling is so much for the afterglow everclear 1998 since the pack erased the good feelings from last week the packer special teams are chloe from pitch perfect they're unfocused they're unreliable and their breath smells like eggs like all the time 
It would take. Uh, I don't know what it would take. Why can't we have normal special teams? We never have normal special teams. We always have charger esque special teams. The only thing I could think of is that everybody has bad special teams. It's like team defense in baseball. You think you know if your team is good or bad, but really everybody's the same. That's the only thing I could think of. I guess but I don't that's, think that's true. true. I think maybe cross that with the fact that we do make the playoffs a lot. And so you're, when you make the playoffs a lot, you are likely to more than likely to have bad playoff things happen that cause it. Like the, the stupid 2014 game, that was a special teams breakdown, I would say, amongst the many causes, was one of the primary ones. 49ers game, last time we were in the playoffs, black punt. Like, that seems to happen to us kind of a lot in big it situations, was a, two, you know? Two block kicks. Two block kicks in that game. That stupid game. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> After not having any block punts during the course of the regular season, two yep. in one playoff game. Well, one was one, one was, was a, a field, goal. field goal. Yes, yes. Okay. Um. By the way, my uh my '90s album is uh Third Eye Blind self titled debut 1997, um including Semi Charmed Life, where uh doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break. That is Rich Basaccia is crystal meth. There you go. <laughs> That's extremely weird. Although wow. I do love that album deeply. I yeah. love that album a great deal. <laughs> I don't really understand the metaphor. My album is, uh, and I told you, Paul, I told you that if the Giants won, this would be it. Mm. And I didn't really want to invoke it, but it's, it's of course, Unplugged in New York, the uh, the Nirvana yeah. MTV Unplugged Ew. special. Ew. Ending, ending with the... That's great. Yeah, Heart-shaped Box is awful, and that's the best song on that album. No, oh. it's not at all. Not even close. Not even close. Nope, not even in the top five. I actually kind five, of agree the... with you that Heart-shaped Box is kind of a bad song, but everything else on that album is much better. <laughs> uh, of course. Of course, the song closes with the iconic, a song I think of as In the Pines, but is also known as Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Yes. The uh, the final song that everyone sort of associates with the end of, unfortunately, the end of Kurt Cobain's life. And it is a tremendous, tremendous song, tremendous album. Unfortunately, Unplugged in New York could not be more apt than this Green Bay Packers team. So Kurt Cobain is the generational divide between X and millennial. I think mm. that's uh, probably um, accurate, yes. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you were the correct age to care about Kurt Cobain's death... You are Gen X. If you were too young, you're a millennial. If you're yeah. too old, you're a boomer. I think that's very correct. I'm a I'm an elderly millennial. I'm right at the top shelf there, and I. So 81 is the cutoff, Chad. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm 82. So I. <laughs> you thought I was older, bitch. You I thought, thought you, I was older. I thought you were older. <laughs> wow. Wow, that hurts. I'm solid X. Of 81 course. is the cutoff, Jr. Like, look, yeah, look, Jr. It is. It is not in looks. It is in personality. Oh, oh, okay. That makes it all the better. I'm so old. Uh, I have is... a, I'm so old. I have a bootleg CD of Unplugged in New York from before it existed as a legitimate album you could buy. Yeah, I mean, I do. Got, I got a beard with a little, little, little gray in it, so I can't. I, Look, I'm man, the fine salt, the salt and kind pepper. Anyway. You're just salt and you got suburban dad. Speaking of early '90s, <laughs> salt and pepper. Uh, I when Kurt Cobain died, you know, like he was his, his he was omnipresent. He was on MTV all the time, obviously. The radio, like I actually wasn't sure he did die. I thought maybe I had the wrong guy. Like that's not the lead singer of Nirvana, is it? So like young enough where the brain wasn't quite connecting all those dots. I mean, obviously I knew he I I figured it out, but you're right. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have a relationship with Kurt Cobain before he died. So it's a it's a good it's a good cutoff. Uh I forgot what we're talking about. We're, we're moving on to things questioners didn't ask about, but we still have to talk about, like how Jordan Love couldn't throw a spiral for a half for some reason. Jordan Love couldn't throw an accurate pass if his life depended on it. For a half. <laughs> it's still, and, and that's the thing is like, it, the first half he was trying to throw like a normal quarterback with his bad habits, with his extra hitch, yes. with his 
his weird foot. And then in the second half, when he's just yeeting it all over the place, it goes to the place Much he better. wants it to. But the first half was bizarre. Like, he missed uh, bad mechanics on two short passes on the outside. And then, like, a horrible underthrow that I think it was Romeo caught on the sidelines. There was, like, a 10-mile-an-hour pass with no spin on it at all. And then that stupid interception that was underthrown by, like, 30 yards. <laughs> and also it was thrown late. Like, yeah. it should have been thrown yeah. To Wicks. Or, which... or Wicks. Wicks had that phenomenal diving pirouette catch. Oh, yeah, Wicks saved catch. his ass on that one, too, yeah. Oh, we, we should, I think, spend some time on the run. I know we spent a little bit of time on the run. But, like, yeah, I think the most infuriating play of the game was Jordan Love running that ball on third and two. And... Having just a wide open lane and Tucker Craft in front of him, just no- knocking over a corner, and literally all he had to do was run at Tucker Craft. That's it. And instead, he cut upfield directly into Kavion Thibodeau, like the worst giant to run directly into, <laughs> um, and fumbling and turning a sure first down conversion into a turnover uh, in Giant territory at the Giants' 27. Probably the play of the game, and happened for no reason at all. Like, uh, I. What the hell was he thinking on that play? It made no sense. I thought he played like somebody who has his brain had been scrambled by a really good pass rush, except that hadn't happened. He had a clean pocket. He wasn't under pressure. I mean, obviously, there was a little at times, but he we've seen him under much greater duress, make much smarter decisions. Yeah. And we just didn't. He, he got monstered or something like that. First half was so <laughs> it, was such, it was such a monster. half. <laughs> That first half was, so was absolutely Patrick Ewing um, <laughs> basketball after being monstered in football form. God, who was who was the giant white guy? He was Sean Bradley. Non, yeah, the only non Hall of Famer in that lineup. Yeah, the worst part of that movie is Sean Bradley had so, his talent taken away. That happened happened in real life, as it turned out. <laughs> okay, so in the, in the sports, the biggest sports movies of my youth, that's a common theme. Um, in Little Giants. It's like nothing but surefire Hall of Famers and then one weird white guy. And uh, it like that, they remember. get off the bus with John Madden. Oh, I don't remember I don't remember Little Giants that well. Yeah. I just remember Al Bundy was the coach and they ran the fumble ruski, the opposing coach. Yeah. The annexation of Puerto Rick Rico. <laughs> annexation of Puerto Rico. Oh uh, yes. Oh, it's it's Steve Emp Empt Steve Emptman. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Number one overall pick by yeah. the Indianapolis Colts. So yeah, he's he's the he's the Sean Bradley in, of of that movie. Okay, yeah, because it's Emmett Smith, Brute Smith, and Tim Brown are the other guys. <laughs> nice, <laughs> Steve Edmund. Wow, that's good. Yeah, that is a good comp. Did the Colts? I think the Colts had the top two picks that year. I think they took Trev Steve Edmund. No, it was Quentin Corriott was the was the next pick. Now, I don't know if that was the number two or like the three. Oh, God damn it! Okay, hold on. It was uh, I, it was Steve Edmund, Quentin Corriott, and I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like if a team drafted those two guys with the first two picks of a draft. Like that's a, that's a that's an all time miss. That it's is a good thing that, that didn't happen. Bad, to bad. It was it was Quint, Quentin Corriott. I thought so. Yep. Incredible. And then the, the third person taken is Sean Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good, not a good draft there for the Ooh, uh, for the Indianapolis you know, Colts. That was the T Buck yeah, draft. Desmond Howard went fourth. Desmond Howard fourth. <laughs> Terrell Buckley fifth. David Klingler fifth. Oh my oh, god! Oh, there's a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Yeah, Troy Vincent was the first good pick of the draft at seven. Goodness gracious! I, I'm going to scroll until I hit a Hall of Famer. Well, Troy nope. Vincent is he not arguments? No, nope, not there, a Hall of there Famer. are no okay. there are no Hall of Famers in the '92 draft. Wow! No, seriously, zero. That's crazy. Zero. 
That's fascinating. So the the top the top shelf it, it carries through. Uh, Troy Vincent, college football Hall of Famer and and very good NFL player, very very good, but not a Hall of Famer, not mm. a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Um, all right, so you're talking. I'm trying to see if we have any questions we want to read. Oh well, is Darren Woodson not in the Hall of Fame? Darren Woodson is not in the Hall of Fame. Oh man, okay. Rod Woodson's in the Hall of Fame. Rod's Charles in. Woodson is yeah. in the Hall of Fame. No, Darren. How Woodson. come Tommy right. Maddox isn't in the Hall? of Fame? <laughs> um, as far as other pass catchers, Samari Toure kind of didn't do anything on a ball that you know hit t- toward the end zone. They gotta do so. I I was a big Samari Toure fan. I like Samari Toure. Uh, they gotta get they gotta get rid of Samari Toure because when he's wait, in, hang on, we're we're not gonna, we're not blaming him for the the non touchdown. We're not. We're not. It was good defense. And it no, was no, throw. it was good D. And he did catch it, one it, good pass. Was, he did. Yeah, I was um, gonna say it was a it was a decent throw that he did his best on. He still dropped it. My problem with Samari <laughs> is that he is uh, both not good and gets a lot of targets. When he's on the field, he's like a target monster, and he's not good enough to be a target monster. They like him. I think he runs good routes, but he's not. He's just not open. They should give more of those to Malik. Malik's better. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh... I'm still not a big believer in Malik Heath, but I'm not but, either. You know, we're down. We're down to. I was gonna say you got to work with what you got. Now. <laughs> no, okay. So here's the thing, though. Like week by week, I think the Alan Lazard comp is fair. Like, yeah, he's just not good. <laughs> well, he's gonna have to because if Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks are both out after suffering injuries yep. in this game, if Christian Watson can't go, you are in deep, deep trouble in the wideout department. You absolutely. Yeah, so I don't you know got, what you got they're gonna Dobbs, do. Dobbs, Toure, and. Heath. Heath. Malik Heath. Top three. Yeah. Packers go get Matt Landers right now. He is not doing anything. He can do the Watson stuff. To go get him. I mean, what's on their practice squad? What can they elevate? Do they have anything to elevate? <laughs> Who is on their practice squad right now? 
I don't I remember don't a receiver being on there, but I'm sure they have one. Is Geronimo Allison still there somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> um, while you're looking that up, uh, yep. Grant Dubose, of course, the seventh round. Oh, draft Grant pick. Dubose. Yeah, he'll be on. He'll be, he'll be activated for sure. He's getting I six targets. It. Yeah. Oh, Bo Melton. Bo Melton is Bo there. Melton Bo Melton always well. gets activated when this happens, so he will also be there. There's also it, it, uh, Cody, named, Cody Trest, uh, the preseason star. I was also going to say that um, there's a man named Theric Pitts. <laughs> Well, Jadakiss Bonds is still on the practice squad too. Who um, and yeah. Deuce Watts, who is actually kind of okay. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a All call. Right. Now you're making up names, but um... <laughs> I'm sorry. I, can, can we talk about Theric Pitts? That is that's a name, that is, man. It is. That's not a real person. I Rashawn Gary was terrible. This is the first time I feel like Rashawn Gary has been a non-factor completely. And in a game where he should have been the factor, like he should have been the reason they won this game. Um, one of, if not his worst game as a professional, I think. Yeah, he was exposed in the run like he often is and just shot by DeVito like 10 times, just boop, upfield, like doing nothing. Right. Never adjust. How do you never the, adjust? Like if it happens. Because Rashawn Gary has one speed and it is go, and it is go as deep as humanly possible. But just change your angle and go in a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, it was a frustrating, like, oh, the pass rush got there and Tommy DeVito's loose. So the pass rush got there and nope, Tommy DeVito's no loose. Nobody there was, could finish. There was one point where Tommy DeVito was going laterally and Gary was chasing him, and somehow Devondre Campbell got there first. Yep. Not a good sign. When, when you are beaten by a man with a terminal case of the olds, like, maybe you should yeah. take a week off. And we ripped on Barry plenty, and deservedly so, but there were plenty of defensive players in this game who just didn't execute well also. And they should yeah. also take a lot of blame for this game. Let's read a couple questions to that regard, uh, starting with Jonathan Judge. I understand being mad at the defenses occasionally being called, but this loss seems far more on the players. From back to front, the defense was terrible against a terrible quarterback. Our quarterback was too, as was the special teams. But these guys officially are professionals. And if if a lot of them are just not going to show up for a few games this season, I don't know what coaches are supposed to do. This team was not one burn the ship speech away from taking true control of this game at any point. Question, do you think Matt will make the team run wind sprints on Monday as punishment? And if so, how many should they run? <laughs> they and should, then Brian, they oh, should run ahead. the amount that uh, the guys skated in uh, in Miracle uh, of suicides. Again. Yeah. Again. 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 They Again. should do that till it's dark out. <laughs> it's been dark out for hours. I play for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> All right, Brian Polakowski, what happened to DeVito getting sacked every fifth drop back? So confused what the defensive game plan was. Yeah, for those well, who you, you see, it's it's a conversion of pressure to sacks. And so you have to get pressure to get sacks. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, for anybody uh, who is bored at work, they should go Google the burn the ship speech and baseball and just read what comes up. Uh, and second... Um, for those who didn't see any of our like last week coverage or did the mini pod or anything like that, Tommy DeVito is the most sacked person of all time, basically, coming into this game. He had been sacked 28 times in four and a half games. Uh, in college, he was sacked on 28.5% of his pressures, which was the highest level in his last year of college. Uh, he just gets sacked a lot. So him not getting sacked at all is really, really, really something. Um, and uh, he against Washington, was sacked nine times in one game. Uh, and instead of him getting sacked by the Packers, he set an NFL record for a quarterback who completed at least 70 or 80% of his passes, ran for at least 70 yards, and didn't turn the ball over while not getting sacked. Uh, 
he's the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to do those things <laughs> in this game. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe we should burn the tape. Maybe I was wrong at the at the outset. <laughs> Uh, Look, they they say that you learn more from your failures than you do from your success. So this should be like really good learning, super field. educational. Yes, and, and like you knew, everyone has said this, and we we knew this implicitly that this team is young enough where you had to expect a stinker. So yep. it's not that this comes out of complete left field. It is just, I mean, first of all, they, they absolutely should have won that game anyway. Yeah, despite playing so poorly. And it's just a, the volume of things that went wrong is is it is a little bit like that 2014 Seattle game where you start counting them up and you're like, man, if Devondre Campbell doesn't just run by a ball that's like sent right to him, what happens? Or if <laughs> that stupid know, if they, play, God right, damn it, the Spaders Carlson doesn't miss a kick. Like there's so many things you could point to at this point. <laughs> I think the not using Dylan at the end when they did score the touchdown is the worst one because it was like in their control. Like they could have just yeah. run a random minute off the clock and taken the last drive out of play completely yes. um yep. and that's like you control that like that's not something the giants can stop you from doing just do it and you win but even still if you make one play with a minute 30 left and i know they weren't going to get a sack because of how quickly tommy devito was getting <laughs> rid of the ball make a play with 130 left you win the game anyway and they they, no, they weren't no, no, putting no, in position no, no, to no. do that do you know do you know why tommy devito was getting rid of the ball so quickly <laughs> his receivers were wide open because they had 10 yards his receivers were wide open for checkdowns Oh my goodness. That is on Barry. Uh, yeah. Keyshawn Nixon, that might have been his worst game. He was so game bad. He was worse. so bad. He was just god awful. That's all we yeah. have on. Yeah. TJ Slayton. Not his best. Campbell. <laughs> you said Campbell got <laughs> God I Campbell just got mossed by an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> on the play where the ball went right past him. Oh God. Did you amazing. see he actually had his hand in there? How do you have your hand in a man's bread basket and you don't take the ball away? It was when you outweigh him by like eighty pounds. Who knows? But he was it was like he was on skate skating backwards and just couldn't stop. The Slayton play, like he timed the snap perfectly. He ran into the backfield and he just missed. The guy was standing still. He missed a person standing still. It's so tough. Um, Every good play. I did see. I did see someone mention that like. He got back there so quickly that it was like running a draw against a blitz. It was. That's what it was. <laughs> and then Saquon, Saquon Barkley just like fell over and dropped the ball. Like he just dropped you the, had just, the the MetLife turf monster forced a fumble. Got him. Yep. <laughs> Total gift. And uh, they they you know they did something with it, but then they couldn't couldn't keep it. Um. It's got to be the worst game of the year. I mean, these early ones were were rough watches, but like this, it's, the the Falcons game was tough. But this was this was the worst game of the year. No, After the other ones some, had glimmer. Yeah, oh, sorry, Paul. After they give you some hope and show you that they can play, to have everything go back to the way it was and just missing throws and being morons and um, not capitalizing on the, the you know weaknesses of the other team, just very very disappointing. Uh, See, and boring and too, I would and argue, frustrating. I would argue that this is even more hopeless than any of the October losses. <laughs> Just because <laughs> there are no, re- there's no redemption from this game. There's nothing that I can no. point to. And go, Not like, really. Well, at least, Nobody was good. At in this least game. there was X, right? Yeah. Like, there, no, there, there's no X. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you point to the injuries only when things go poorly because they have been without guys like 
Quay Walker, Christian Watson at points this year. You know, obviously they're still out Jair, which I don't think makes a big difference here. But I, I do feel like having Quay Walker in this game, maybe Aaron Jones in this game changes some of the things they do. Certainly if Aaron Jones is available, I can't imagine they keep going back to the Jaden Reed well. Probably you know, not, in, yeah. Jet jet plays. So you could you could point to that a little bit. I, I do think if Quay Walker's there, I don't think Tommy DeVito runs for 71 yards. You Agreed. know, I think they're able to yeah, slow that's that. That's a big down. one. So that's something. I don't know if Watson's going to be available. Obviously, he and Jordan Love had a thing going over the last couple of games. So I I would doubt that he's available, but that would sure help, especially with <laughs> with Wicks and Reed uncertain at this point. Yep. So and and you should okay if they win the rest of their games they're still going to the playoffs and if they win three of their last four they're probably still going to the playoffs yeah. so this isn't this isn't a doomsday thing it didn't dramatically decrease their playoff odds because they still have to win a bunch of these remaining games uh it did take the NFC North almost completely off the table yeah, not not yeah. completely but pretty yeah. much but my my favorite thing about this loss was it did not even change the playoff seating no it didn't <laughs> 7 and 7 insane yep. The big hey, thing, that's what I'm drinking right now. Cheers. Yeah, nice. Good good drink. The big thing I'm worried about is that the Vikings and the Bears have both had really good defenses for a long time now, and they're not pushovers anymore like they were. Not that the Vikings ever were. We already did that once. But, like, those games are kind of hard now. So I was really hoping just to coast into the last two with wow. those wins, and now we don't. And now, <laughs> now we can suffer really bad disappointment in the last two games. So, we that, were never going to escape a scenario where that last game. I the know Bears we weren't, but I really matter. wanted it to. Yeah, it's either going to matter, not matter in terms of oh they're already out, or it's going to be the difference between getting it. It's going to be just like last year. Yep. So I know you guys aren't big fans of Barstool, but did you see Big Cat's thing about the last game of the season? Nope. He, not. he literally said that it is more than a Bears Super Bowl. He said that if the Bears win and it keeps the Packers out of the playoffs, he will custom make a banner and hang it in his office for like beat the Packers in week 17 mm-hmm. to keep or 18 to keep them out of the playoffs. Like Bears fans are taking that seriously. Well, I kind of feel like it's similar to the Lions last year. I mean, I, I, I was there. I don't remember if you guys were, but like that was a massive moment for the Detroit Lions. And they came into that day thinking they could still get a playoff spot yeah. and had been eliminated from that. So I thought maybe the juice would would decline going into that game, into the night game. But but no, nope. like the Lions were serious about the game. Their fans were serious about that game. I know there was a whole talk about the Lions taking over Lambeau Field. They were the fans were there in, in week 18 last year. What well, is week 18, right? Yes. So they were already feeling it. And that was a springboard for them. And the Bears should feel that way, too. Looking at that last week game of the season could be a springboard for them, knowing they get two of the top five picks. <laughs> I don't, bothers, I mean, I don't... It bothers me so much that the Bears' fate relies on how bad the Panthers are as opposed to how bad the Bears are. <laughs> it was a good yeah. trade. It was a really, really good trade. Yeah. All right. We got a lot more questions to go, so let's, uh, let's, let's get into out. them a little more in earnest. Matt Pickett says, so the Packers played like butt. In your estimation, what are the leading causes for this kind of performance from any team and specifically from the Packers? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Matt, Matt Pickett saying butt but is like funny. the yeah. equivalent of a normal person saying the C word. That's like a big thing for him. It is. Um, it, they're a young team. I feel like the Packers do struggle on the road with some regularity. I, I also say I think the Giants, while – they are under-talented this year, and I think the front office is bad. I think their coaching staff's really good, 
and I think they coached a a great game. I mean, to the extent they had yeah. screw ups, they were person. They were a guy getting hit with a punt and Saquon Barkley falling down and dropping a ball for no reason. It's not coaching problems. Uh, they were very clever on offense and on defense. Uh, Wink Martindale was very very good. Brian Dable I think is very very good. And I do think they are prone to getting outsmarted every once in a while. Like when they run into Shanny, that's what happens to them and everybody else. And I think that they also just got they just got waxed across the board because they can't compete with the Giants intellectually. Hmm. Uh, K time seven. Here's a question related to this game. Could you play the Benny Hill theme music for us? <laughs> uh, maybe I will get yakety sex as an answer to this question. You will find out when you hear it later. Do you think that's the intro music? Probably not. I know you probably have that already picked out. Uh, PJ Wessel. It will not be the intro music. Yes. <laughs> PJ Wessel says, "I think I have a cursed Charles Woodson jersey. I don't remember the last time they won a game when I had it on. How else would the Packers lose this game? Is it time to start tracking tiebreakers?" So I, I had a bad feeling about this game, and I did not wear my lucky sweater specifically because I was like, I don't want to ruin my. Yep, sweater. yep, yep. I lost a good Charles Jordan or a Charles Woodson jersey that way too. Um, and it is probably time to start tracking tiebreakers. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it at jsonline.com. I had a story going into the game because obviously there were a lot of Sunday outcomes. And then the story coming out of the game, both did very well. Uh, I will say that the, the Packers are actually okay in tiebreakers. They, they should, especially if they keep winning, which they're going to have to do no matter what. So that's sort of a, you know, sort of a non-starter. They have to win those games. Uh, they have to win at least three of their next four. I think it's possible with two. They have a they have a, a leg up on the Seahawks. They have a leg up on the Rams and the Saints, obviously, because they beat them head to head. Those are teams they're competing with. The Falcons are kind of a fly in the ointment, but they could also just win the South. Yeah. The Packers have a chance beating the Buccaneers to get a head to head tiebreaker there. That's kind of one of the games they really have to win. The Vikings they don't have as much of an edge, but there there's a possibility there. Um, you know, there are definitely a lot of scenarios where, where they, they're fine. You know, like I said, they win all four. They're absolutely in. And three of four, they're almost certainly in. It's be- it's 90% or better that they're going to be there with with three wins. So, um, so yeah, like the tiebreakers are, are definitely part of it. It's going to it's gonna come down to that Bears game. I feel it completely in my bones that it's going to come down to that Bears game. Okay, so what if Packers are down by four and it is fourth down with less than two minutes left in the game? And the Packers put in who's the the fullback now? Was it Heath? Some he played last week. Isn't it Pearson? Pearson. Henry Pearson. Henry Pearson. Packers put in Henry Pearson, who happens to take a Bears edge out at the knees and <laughs> throw a ball to a streaking Samari Touré, who catches it in the end zone. Packers. Win yeah. Three. I do often think about the 2013 finale. I I I like. I, I'm trying. It's not my favorite Packers game because they won a Super Bowl with me watching, but yeah. I, I mean that was an impossible season. And and honestly, like there there aren't parallels, but it is a little bit of like the season arc, the journey of being like so low and coming back through un- improbable circumstances. There's a there's a lot there. I mean, it's a it's a rich text. So, so I would love to see that happen again. Jr. If you ever want to actually read something that I wrote in a serious tone, mm. believe it or not, it's about mm. that game. Um, Maggie Loney at Cheesehead TV asked me for a story about like a game that changed my Packers fandom, and that was one of them. Yeah. So yeah, I have, okay. I definitely I wrote something serious about that game. It that game deep in in my heart. Yep. All right. Oh no. 
JR oh, no. cut out? <laughs> oh, no. I have the only good internet? No, I'm right here. Hi, Paul. Uh, oh, hey. Hi, Matt. <laughs> no, JR is still frozen, bro. Yeah. Will he realize? All right. I'm going to read the next question. The future of the Packers. Oh, J- JR's back. <laughs> hey. Hey, we lost you for about 30 seconds. JR, <laughs> you were gone, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Everybody's internet is playing games. Anyway, uh, Evan Weston, uh, he brings up that there were many, many awful things. Of all the miserable facets of this game, uh, which would be the which would which most worries you about the long term future of the Packers? I think it's Barry. Like, yeah, it's Joe Barry because there's just a long track record and the things keep happening. So, like, love maybe won't be good. Um, I'm sure we'll have a question on that later. But I'm not panicked about him yet that's okay and Lafleur still seems to be able to call a good game and um they had a lot of dumb crap but Joe Barry's just bad so it's him hmm. Jonathan Deal says the Packers are still too good to tank is the new best case scenario scenario narrowly missing out on the playoffs so they can get rid of Barry and Basacha I feel like if they sneak in even as a seventh seed it should be a rebuilding year in which should be a rebuilding year. Everyone keeps their jobs even when they should. Nah, Jonathan, you got to be more creative than that. The best, the, the best case scenario is getting in as the seventh seed in by winning a fifty-six to fifty-five game where the defense gets absolutely torched and gives up like three hundred and fifty yards rushing. That's that's it. That's I a really, phenomenal outcome. Yeah, I like it. That's like more points. More points ninety-nine. But more points ninety-nine. We're ready for Joe Barry to get fired and make the playoffs at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is more points ninety nine one of our drinking game? Should drinks? be. It absolutely should. It we, should. we talk about it all the time. Uh, we, I, you, you guys, I really don't think Joe Barry is coming back. I really think it's it's cemented at this point. They're, right, they're not going to fight him. I will say, what are we betting, Jared? What are we betting? Uh, I don't know. A thing of Buffalo Trace. I, okay. I, I don't know, man. If if Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator in Week One of next year, I get to pick your Twitter profile picture for a week. I cannot promise that, as there are professional reasons right. why my Twitter profile picture I pr- is... <laughs> I, pr- I promise you it will be professional. All right, we'll see. We'll so see. I'm with JR in that I think he will get fired now. And I did not think that like two weeks ago. Because okay, Matt, Paul, Matt Lef- then how about you and me then? Yeah, how about you that's and fine. Me then? I'm on board. Profile picture bet. Yep. There we go. I got you. Uh, LaFleur seemed genuinely pissed off at him at the, the press conference um, and was getting on him for things like the cushions on, on the last drive and, and stuff like that. And if, if he's starting to like actually get ticked off about stuff like that, writing's got to be on the wall. S- survival's becoming an issue there for Matt, too. So changes yeah. are due. That's ex- that's exactly what I was thinking. Like we, I was asking earlier the confidence level that Matt Lafleur would be back, and you know I think at this point it's it's gotten back to being pretty good. But <laughs> before Matt Lafleur's head rolls, he's going to need to yep. you know there there are other ways to uh, to make some changes. I believe that the assistant head coach is the one who's going to take the blame. No way. Nobody cares about that. It's got to be Barry. Who's the assistant head coach? Rich Bisaccia. Oh yeah. Okay. I I thought there was a na- another name I wasn't thinking of, but uh, no, I, I don't. I think I don't that know. is the head that will roll. I don't know. JD He's the says paid special teams coordinator in the league. Yeah, honestly. I know. You're right. You're right. JD says, we were due for a stinker, right? Just felt that way to me. I wasn't surprised. Just win these last four and we'll roll into the playoffs. Yep. 
Correct. I love, I, I love that. Yes. <laughs> while, while I am saying that is a good thing, I also acknowledge that's completely not going to happen. I mean, they, they they won three in a row, and we thought it was like an entire turning of the tide. Yeah. They haven't. Nope. Well, they haven't won four in a row. That's, if not, I don't know. But, it's not but it was a quality. It was a quality win for the third one. <laughs> that's true. Also, I, sub and, uh, question: I, Did JD even ask a question? Like, really? No, it's more of a statement. <laughs> we were due for a stinker, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, Luke Zimmerman says, guess the team that needs to endure some 2008-esque losses if Love is Rogers' true successor. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. They did flash the stats, how similar they are they to did. this point in their career. Did you did you see that in, in Aaron Rodgers' 13th start, he he lost in a last-minute or a last-second field goal, and this was Jordan Love's 13th yeah. start. It's, it's written in the stars. It is. Also in the movie Coming to America, written in the written in the plot line. <laughs> if you saw that tweet, where jo- there's a- Jordan Love is here to sow his royal oats. <laughs> Did you guys? You, you know what I'm talking about, Paul? You you don't? There's a scene where he Eddie Murphy's character comes in and says, uh, "I." He's talking about his first experience watching football, where the Giants beat the Packers in a night game at the Meadowlands on a last second field goal. Oh no, I didn't see that. But yeah, he's he yes. uh, <laughs> he walks into the barbershop and describes the game, and then they <laughs> accuse him of being on drugs. It's great. Uh, Jack Bushman, what is the difference between a schnitzel and a cutlet? I need to know. Feel free to ignore this, just trying to lighten the mood. I think the LOL. cutlet is just the raw version of the actual cut of meat that you use, and a schnitzel, uh, doesn't schnitzel mean pig? The, the schnitzel is the fried, like the end Well, because a schnitzel bank is a piggy bank. Right, but so so to me, if we're gonna talk about like like a schnitzel, right? To me, that is a fried so I, cutlet. I, I agree with you. I I totally agree with you. But cutlet can be of other animals too, right? Like a katsu chicken cutlet in Japanese cooking is still a cutlet, and that's. Well, I mean, yeah, you can have a chicken cutlet, you can have a beef cutlet, yeah. you can have a so veal cutlet. So that, I mean, that's the difference. Paul, do you know Schnitzelbank because of the Rothskeller song that gets sung? <laughs> Is it a rock? Oh, Schnitzelbank. So I know it from Animaniacs, and they do a version. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Just brilliant TV, Animaniacs. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Richard Proctor says he has two questions this week. <laughs> if the call in the first quarter that Rudy Ford interfered with the punt catch was correct, shouldn't special teams coaches tell players to run into defenders deliberately? This is a serious question. I'm not trolling. Is this a problem with officiating or coaches? Well, didn't he? Uh, well, okay, I, don't, so, I don't get it. So Rudy Ford was not being blocked into the punter. Right. However, he like had a hand on his, uh, what do you call the guys who stop gunners? Uh, I don't, whatever. Anti-artillery. Jam- jammer? Is jammer. it Jammer? Sure. It, Let's sure. go with Jammer. It, it, so Ford was so focused on his Jammer that he didn't realize how close he was to the returner and just murder stomped him right. on accident. Yes. It, it's 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 a freak play. It's not it's not like bad officiating. It's not it's just bad circumstance. Yes, it is. Quentin Jammer, by the way, one of my favorite NFL football names ever. Heck Love yeah. that name. Are there any fan casts of games? This is still Richard Proctor that you'd recommend for audio. Football announcers are mostly unbearable. I just tried Cheesehead TV, and those guys are mostly unbearable. <laughs> basically, Ouch. basically, I just want to watch every game with Paul. Sorry, Paul. Paul, do a fan. Oh cast. man! This, uh, so no, Rich, what's going to happen is this is going to get cast. cut, and we're going to end up on a Cheesehead TV TikTok now, and it's going to oh, restart the no. feud. It's that's fine. We're not saying they're Blame unbearable. Richard. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, the 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 Noonan cast with with special guest Matub. I like it. I'll do it sometime. It's it's more that it's hard to do things when you have children, and for those yes. of you who don't have children, you like don't, live. Yes, you maybe don't know that, but they're always around, and you don't get <laughs> three and a half hours of uninterrupted time to do a cast, and that's football time. And even if it's a night game, like there's still like bedtime that usually crosses over a little bit. So. Uh, I would like to do that sometime. It sounds fun, and I don't know that I'd be particularly good at it because it's hard to talk for three and a half hours. It's very, oh, okay. very hard. Um, so, um, I appreciate the sentiment, though, Richard. I really, really do. It's a funny thing about kids, right? So, like, my daughter is five going on 30, and to this day refers to football as go-go's because when she was younger... Her experience was being around me yelling at the TV, go, go, go. go. <laughs> Vacation. Okay, Ryan Ziegler, getting beat by the guy who starred in My New Haircut is not ideal. <laughs> Why the hell do we seem unable to ditch generational problems? Bad defense, weird play calling, just dead games where we never get it together. We never seem to have a complete team. This has to be an organizational problem, right? Kind of You does. guys know what he's referencing, right? Like we've. We were all established what the reference is? Sure. Paul? Sure, also. No, you guys are, okay. <laughs> just just go to YouTube and look up my new haircut. It's making fun of Jersey Shore people. Uh, okay, I figured it was something. Good. So I, context clue-wise, I figured I knew that approximately and was correct. So, yes. is, is this a guy going, like, Jager bombs? Yeah. This is my new haircut. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> we do are... seem to have the same problems across multiple generations of coaches, though. I think... There may be something there, and part of that philosophy, I think, is skimping on parts of the defense that um, nerds say you should skimp on, but that hurt us specifically. So it turns out that uh, Packer people doesn't necessarily mean high-character guys. It means crappy defensive corners. That's right. <laughs> and people who can't stop the run at all. I would also point out there are not many great teams this year. The 49ers are really good. The yeah. Cowboys right now are really good, but, like, it's a big mess. It's certainly a big mess in the AFC, yep. and it's well, kind I mean, of even still a NFC, big mess in the NFC. Well, yeah, yeah. Philly, Philly are frauds. Philly are frauds. That it is seems correct. that way. Yeah. In the AFC, the Ravens and the Bills are the two best teams, and the Bills uh, just don't have the record. They have gotten yeah. very unlucky in terms of their one-score games and luck and stuff like that, uh, and might not even make the playoffs, but they are the second-best team and maybe the best team in the AFC. So um, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. Yeah. Big picture, we are still talking about one of the best franchises over the last three decades. And yep. even though there are definitely issues that keep recurring, it seems, I think other teams have them have those issues too. It, it just it just seems more painful here. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Thomas Syriacs. Uh, mainly just uh, pointing out that we had two 22-point efforts in back-to-back Giants games. I think. Yes, including the London game last year. It yeah. seems that the Packers are intent on scoring just 22 points against the Giants. No matter the country... Dabble, Dable, Brian Dable, 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 uh, I don't know, is the better coach than Matt LaFleur, though he is much fatter. I love, I love that guy. He looks a little like me, so big fan. Wink Martindale could have taken the Packers team at halftime with all those first rounders and turned around and beat Dabble Giants by 21 points in the second half if only Barry would agree to take the helm of the overachieving, hard-playing Giant defense. I'm a Packer fan. Packers have much better talent on the field than these current Giants. The Giants have much better coaching staff. Players make plays. Coaches lose them games by being dumbasses. I think it's weird that there is a guy named Wink Martindale in the NFL. That is, of That's course, crazy. the same name as a famous 80s game show host who hosted many, many different game show hosts. So um, 
I, I know it's a nickname, but it's a weird nickname to take. Like it's like making your nickname Alex Trebek. It's it's a weird choice. Is the difference between Gen X and millennials knowing who Wink Martindale, the game show host, is? I feel like I feel like no, we can draw that line because because uh when my parents first got digital cable like with a box and everything and i want to say 2001 we had the game show network and i'm very aware of who wink martindale is because of that oh okay very good very good fair enough scarf 21 says how much longer do you think matt lafleur is going to gaslight himself into thinking that joe barry is a good defensive coordinator i feel like everyone at least had a nagging thought in the back of their heads that this bend but don't break defense was going to bite us at some point and we're still Given that we're seeing similar kind of struggles under Barry that we've seen under Petten, I fear that this is precisely the kind of defense, Ben, but don't break, constantly terrified of the deep ball <laughs> to the point of finding death by a million paper cuts that the Packers brain trust is looking for. I mean, we kind of already answered that one where we have a bet about it now. So um, I, <laughs> I think Matt sees it after the last press conference. And even if he goes through the week and is like back on board with Joe and says, you know, if, if Friday rolls on, it's like, oh, no, Joe, you're fine. Like he's going to be extra, uh, have an extra level of scrutiny for future performances here. Yeah, I'm going to jump ahead one. Mark Hackett, uh, Mark Hackett said, "Remember, I'm watching from another continent, so please find my ignorance charming." Does Matt Lafleur <laughs> have the authority to order Barry to stand down the bend but not break mentality in situations like this? If not, why not? If so, mm. why doesn't he? It's a good question, actually. <laughs> I just want I want Matt Lafleur to have a secondary play sheet that's like for these things that he just hands to Barry that says blitz you loser. (laughs) And Mark, to answer your question, he absolutely has the authority to change the defense. Um, He actually, uh, I believe there is some controversy over the, the Tampa Bay NFC championship game and the Scotty Miller play. Uh, That is a Lafleur call, right? That do we know that for sure? Yeah. Lafleur call. uh, He, or a miscommunication maybe. Something like that, but Lafleur took partial credit for the failure. Yeah, he did. But Le, the the buck stops with Lafleur, and he does have the, <laughs> the authority. Bucks, the buck stops. Yes. Yeah, not on that play. Not on that play, though. Uh, he I does have the authority to tell his defensive coordinator what to do. Um, as to why he sometimes doesn't is he's an offensive coach, and he most offensive coach uh, head coaches trust the the. And defer to their defensive-minded defensive coordinators, but uh, it, they are still responsible for the defense. And yeah, he can overrule them if he really wants to. Prime Eddie Lacy says quarterbacks don't matter. Long time, first time. Related to the quarterback versus scheme discussion last week. When I read the Ben Baldwin EPA CPOE chart, <laughs> I tend to think of EPA as mostly scheme and CPOE as mostly quarterback ability, especially as Shanahan schemes take over the league and make life easy for quarterbacks. What are some other analytics methods to isolate true quarterback ability? Reading the field, accuracy, pocket awareness, pre-snap adjustments, etc. I worry that against good defenses in important games, true quarterback ability starts mattering a lot. And I, and maybe JR, are not yet convinced that Jay Love is the one. <laughs> First of all, I feel like this question is perfectly set up to insult me personally. Oh, yeah? Because I have sat really? on this very podcast and stated that usernames that begin with prime and then player or like player season or like usernames such as that are going to just put trash out into the world. And this is a phenomenal question. And I despise the fact that it came from a, from prime, a prime player. Okay. Name. Prime Eddie Lacey. <laughs> prime Eddie Lacey. So uh, I think that's generally pretty good. Like CPOE 
isn't perfect. It is not weighted properly to catch everything, but it is uh, it is a, a judgment of if you're completing more than you should, and that is, I think, a very quarterback um, correct stat. But there's not a great metric for just specifically quarterbacks themselves. There's always going to be a lot of noise. The reason we can use things like EPA for quarterbacks is just because quarterbacks are so important. Like, you can't really be good without a good quarterback unless you have a super good scheme. And it really hasn't mattered much until the last year or so when Shanahan has started just kicking the crap out of everybody with not great quarterbacks. And we never even thought about that until that started happening. Um, And honestly, like, scouting is, like, the stuff that PFF does not well is probably the best way to do it, making a per-play judgment on how much the quarterback impacted things. SA uh, Sports Info Solutions does the same thing with their their total points metric. They try to assign points to everybody involved in every play. Like, there's not a good overarching stat, a big sample size stat that does that. So, um, football's a noisy game. I actually think this is impossible. Um, the fact of the matter is, like, Brock Purdy is playing the best quarterback kind of ever for the best like offensive schemer of the last 20 years with like the best talent for that scheme of all time and how do you judge that like what do you do with that well yeah if you put Aikman went to the hall of fame doing the exact same thing and the thing is there's not an average football team everybody's got a scheme everybody has a different scheme and everybody has a completely different level of talent and talent for that scheme like it's not fair to just say will Jalen Hurts be the same in the 49er lineup like no idea but also like they don't run the tush push and they don't do a bunch of Jalen Hurts stuff so he'd probably be worse but he's also probably a better quarterback so it's it's kind of an impossible aesthetic question CPOA is a good start scouting is the second best one but EPA does matter I think quite a bit too so um, I don't know sorry for not answering that question well um, it's just really, really hard to evaluate the contributions of individual football players. Uh, and I think it's kind of impossible. You really need a big sample size of scouting and production to do it. All right. Scott says he's disappointed to be back in the simulation slash real world in which the Packers and love look lousy. Yeah. Of course, they were basically missing every first round choice starter on offense or sorry, every first choice starter. Uh, on offense, Watson, Musgrave, and Jones. Watson claims to have recently spent tens of thousands of dollars going to specialists who told him to strengthen his back to avoid <laughs> hamstring injuries. Isn't this fairly obvious advice? I thought NFL teams were pretty sophisticated. How does one get to be an NFL trainer or conditioning coach anyway? I see two of the four strength and conditioning coaches are a former Packer and son of a former coach. Are the Packers NFL trainers products of the same nepotism as coaches? Matt, all <laughs> you. Okay, I was the first person to rail against Watson's claims there are half a dozen muscles between your hamstring and your back and there's a lot of muscles of the back that have nothing to do with each other your lats and your erectors don't work together perfectly and oh god (laughs) if you have problems with your hamstrings strengthen your hamstrings (laughs) that's that's it look your soft tissue grows and strengthens at a much slower rate than your muscle bellies so if you become fast and strong too fast, you are going to hurt yourself. It is why uh, people in sports where they're allowed to use the spicy creatine get soft tissue injuries more regularly. I love that Watson is talking to quote unquote experts. I just think he's talking to the wrong ones. How do you identify the right ones? Uh you talk to someone who isn't Joel Seedman. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Yes, but like, 
I feel like this is actually a really hard thing to do because it is. It is. It's a very hard thing to yeah, do. There's a lot of trainers the, who offer a lot of different advice, and if you don't know like about physiology at a medical level, I have no idea how you make a correct decision here. That is where you go. I think that you start at a sports physio PhD and then move from there. Like go to someone who is go to someone who has an MD as it relates to movement. Okay, not necessarily to like a chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, also have to remember again. There's like 60 guys, 60 different football players, wildly different body types that these trainers are charged with keeping healthy, and that's 60 completely different. You know, like individual plans on how to stay healthy and what's hurting and what needs extra attention, like. I, I get that like you there's a natural tendency to get frustrated with the training staff when guys when teams have a disproportionate amount of injuries but number one in football there's always going to be a disproportionate amount of injuries yeah. and number and it's extremely lucky when you get a team that doesn't have injuries and number two there's it's just like I can't even imagine I mean it's like you know it's like teaching a class with 52 completely different like just just yeah backgrounds so the, and experiences and intelligence levels yeah, it is. so the the figure the figure of speech in education is that you can't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree yeah like it's that's that's the point that you're getting to yeah um one of the other things that i will say about the packers medical staff i believe that the packers suffer from a quote-unquote disproportional amount of injuries because they do the morally correct thing in avoiding sure. toradol right other teams still use it and that matters. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bill Robbie, we're getting to the end. I want to want to get this get yeah, this done. Please do this. Uh, please update your computation of the percentage of salary cap being paid to those who do not play football. Rodgers, Bakhtiari, Jones, Savage, Stokes, Campbell, Alexander, more. Did Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith miss the bus to the game or were they healthy scratches? I did not hear their names called during the game. Maybe we should add them to the list in number 1. <laughs> Ouch. Uh they were bad. They were very bad. They did not game plan well. They got upfield too much. Right? We've done that already. That cap thing, I mean, most of it's Rodgers. I think it's like 60% now, but I'm not looking it up because I don't feel it's, like doing it's math. It's between 55 and 60. Yeah, that's what I thought. Depending. So it's, it's a big number. It, that's what we signed up for this year. That's what we got. We didn't even talk about the Jair Alexander thing that had everybody a, a flutter. I mean, the you can't <laughs> do that and then not play. Like, ugh. Yeah, Goodness, that was tough. That was tough. Uh, Dennis Williams said, I suggest the Packer coaching staff adopt mob names in honor of getting owned by Tommy Cutlets, a two bit guy from New Jersey. How's about Maddie haircuts? Richie Shanks, soft Joey probably doesn't translate well to the local <laughs> Wisconsin market. But what are you going to do? No, man, it's Maddie eyebrows. Like if we're, if we're going to give LaFleur <laughs> yeah. a nickname, it's Maddie eyebrows. And Joey right? Flaccid. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, actually. Um, Neither did she. Hi -oh. We were we were just talking about erectors a few minutes ago. So uh, yeah. uh, Tommy was doing it from a Tommy Cutlets, by the way, is his official. I know you were yeah. physiological for sure. Yeah. yeah. Tommy Cutlets okay. is Tommy DeVito's official nickname on reference. Somebody did update that. So. Uh. Uh, Danish Cheese said, "Said how many offensive linemen should the Packers draft on day one and day two? <laughs> All <Yes>. of them. <laughs> a lot of them. At least two, and they probably will." It's a yeah, good for, class for that. A while there, it looked like they'd be in conversation to get that John Alft, uh, but uh, they're not going to be high enough in the draft yep. now. Uh, Danny Noonan, our favorite patron, said, "Do you think anybody told the Packers' defensive coach that they missed the two-point try near the end?" No, I do not. Somebody <laughs> forgot to send the memo. 
All right, uh, we're done. We are done. We're good. No, I think I think you need to read the last sentence there. No, you don't. It says do not read. Why would you do that? <laughs> I know, but we haven't truly referenced the rundown yet this week. So at the end of the rundown, Paul wrote, do not read anything I've passed this point. That's because I have to post all of this on the internet, and I have to write a bunch of words to post it on the internet. And I put them at the end of the rundown, so I have them there to post them on the internet. And now you got to put the yakety sax music somewhere in the middle of this podcast. Yeah, it's going to be complicated. a few times. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, Let's we're stop. done. So before we go, JR, anything to plug? I mean, I'm always doing the tiebreakers when it comes to the Packers, so that's that's fun. I've got my uh, Wisconsin sports quotes of the year uh, that is uh, that is in, in formation, Heck so yeah. that'll be posting at some point soon. Not sure if it'll be me. I kind of want to wait till the Wisconsin volleyball team plays this weekend because they could win a national title, and yeah. I, I want to make sure that I, I I get that one on there. Uh, I love volleyball, and I'm very excited about this They're weekend. They're so about- fun. They're so good. Uh, really love the volleyball like moment that we've been experiencing over the last few years. It has coincided with Wisconsin being tremendous at it. So I am I'm having a very good time. I love volleyball. I love that it's all available now that I can watch it. Kind of just it's it's always on. Yeah. It's on on the Big Ten Network a lot and things like that. So, uh, so big fan. I'll be watching that and. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, we still, um, you know, still doing videos with Jim Ozarski on the on the Bucks. Uh, you know, Point Forward Podcast, Point Forward Five are the little video series we've been doing. And uh, and the Brewers Podcast with Kurt Hogue. Got a new one that posted on Monday if you are interested in Brewers off-season chatter. Nice. Excellent. Wade Miley news everywhere. Um, <laughs> Matt, how about you? Uh, I continue to do betting content over on Acme Packing Company. Got my first ever how dare you comment. So I feel like a real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> Um, but you know, as always, call your best friend, tell him you love him, open your best bottles. Life is short. Buy a safety squat bar. <laughs> Good advice on the safety squat bar. <laughs> had a lot, <laughs> a lot of lifting injuries in the Acme Packing Company Slack lately, and it's a good way to help yourself. Um, as for me, uh, my shepherd thing will be up very, very shortly. Uh, tune in for the mini pod on Friday. It was. Uh, if I do say so myself, quite good this week. <laughs> uh, it gave you a lot of insight into what happened in the Giant game. A little bit too much. Uh, but that'll do it for us. We'll be back for uh, next week for Tampa Bay. And uh, until then, go Pack Go. Enjoy the game. I would shiver the whole night through The husband was a hard-working man Just about a mile from here His head was found in a driving wheel But his body